0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Steve Hilton Show. Uh, we have got a full episode for you today of updates on the main political developments in our beautiful but badly run state. Susan Shelley is here with us for that um, because she knows what's going on. Uh, Susan, great to see you. The big event I, I saw from the, from the media's point of view, the California media's point of view, in the last few days was the... Um, Democratic Party's s- state convention, and of course, since it's, we're practically living in a one-party state, that's like the sort of go- the government, basically, um, all getting together. Um, what would, I mean, I saw lots of, uh, there were little, the, the thing the press seemed most upset about was being excluded from the speech, the, I think it was a dinner speech, after dinner speech, or so, anyway, some kind of speech that Nancy Pelosi was giving, her kind of farewell speech, as it were, and the media were complaining that they were not allowed to hear it, but the donors were allowed to hear it. So there was a lot of um, consternation about that in the press. But what else did you notice uh, from this event?
1: Well, I noticed that the people who are in favor of single payer health care have run out of patience, waiting ah. for uh, waiting for the legislature to deliver for them. This is a completely impractical scheme. The idea of single payer health care in California would essentially make all private health insurance Illegal in the state of California. It would all be canceled. It would all be replaced by CalCare. And everyone would be on the same policy. Everyone from union retirees who have very good packages that they negotiated and gave up wages to get to undocumented immigrants who just got here. Everyone would be on the same plan, including people on Medicare. Everyone in California would be on the same plan. And if they cut benefits, they would cut benefits for everybody. And if you had negotiated your union contract to have better benefits, you're out of luck. It's one for all and all for one. So the people who support this are the California Nurses Association. The Nurses Union has been very active in pushing this. And protesters in favor of this interrupted Gavin Newsom's speech at the convention, whining about why haven't you done it? And this is the interesting thing about a supermajority They've lost the ability to say, well, we can't get it through because we have no Republican votes. Mm-hmm. They've got all the votes they need. They could even override a veto in the legislature to get this done, but it's completely impractical. And a lot of people in the Democratic party don't wanna face the math of the situation or the politics of the situation. And uh, the, the Democrats who are in office don't want to vote for this and have people be furious at them that their health insurance was just canceled.
0: It's an amazingly extreme proposal. I mean, a lot of the time in this debate on healthcare and health, well, health insurance really is the insurance part of it. Um, you know, people say single payer and they Medicare for all is the phrase that's thrown around and they talk about it and they make a comparison with other socialized healthcare systems, particularly the UK the National Health Service, which I know very well. Nearly killed me. Um, We've discussed that on a previous episode. Um, But um, the proposal here is way more extreme than that. In the UK, there is still private health insurance, many employers. I mean, it's becoming a... You know, part of, of, of remuneration packages and private health insurance is offered by a lot of employers. People may, may purchase it on their own for certain things. And there's, a, there's what they call a mixed economy in health care in, in the UK, which is held up as the great example of socialized medicine. This is m- way to the left of that.
1: Mm-hmm. This is way to the left. And the, the way that they try to figure out how they'll pay for it is they just take everybody else's money. So employers would pay an enormous tax in order to fund this. And then they figure they'll grab all the money that California receives for Medicare and Medicaid and mm-hmm. they'll just grab everything, all those dollars, which they can't necessarily get. The federal government would have to agree to that. It's very unlikely that they would. But let's say they do. They grab all of that money, and that's still not enough. They still have a huge hole to pay for everything that everybody wants at everybody else's expense. The math doesn't work. And it would it would just create it would create turmoil in California. It's it's a political disaster if the democrats were actually to try to vote for it so now their challenge politically is to pretend they're for it while actually killing it and how they do this (laughs) i guess is they blame the republicans and how they blame the republicans i don't have any idea but the democrats at their convention talked endlessly about donald trump and the maga movement and how threatening it is and this is california it's no threat at all to the democrats in california but I guess it would be if they cancelled everybody's health insurance.
0: It's so interesting this this, this kind of displacement activity, um, because we have so many problems in California, as we we talk about and, and well documented, and and you'd think that would be the focus. You know, like how do we solve these problems? What are we doing? You know, what can we we as a, they get together as a party once a year? Got as you said, elections next year, um, and you'd think the conversation would be about an agenda. For the future, because, given that it's this one-party state, effectively, you know, actually, the, the positive, the flip, the, the positive side of that is that there's an opportunity for coordination. You could say, yeah, okay, let's do this together. Let's have, you know, the statewide elected people. Work with the legislature where we have the supermajority and the big cities where we completely control things. And let's have a unified, you know, let's really solve these problems. We've got this massive housing crisis. The cost of living is so high, driven in large part by housing because it's so, you know, rents are so expensive and and mortgages and so on. Even if you can get on the housing ladder, Um, the crime, the homelessness, the, the energy cost, you know, all these things that we know about. Let's, as a party, solve these problems. But no, they just, it's amazing that they're so obsessed with Trump.
1: Well, the problem they have is that the policies that are supported by the left side of the Democratic Party are not supported by anybody else. They're not supported even by many registered Democrats. Mm -hmm. Registered Democrats who are homeowners, they support Proposition 13, which limits property tax increases. They don't support tax increases in general, which is why when they go through, they're always disguised as something else oh it's a revenue enhancement right it's a fee it's it's something they don't use the tax word they don't like to call it a tax they like to call it a penalty or something else and tie it to some unpopular thing like wealth apparently wealth is unpopular and and this is this is because people care about freedom and you can tell that people care about freedom because the governor started talking about freedom Mm. Now he defines it differently Uh, He defines it as a lot of authoritarian policies to put through what the left side of the Democratic Party wants. That's how he defines freedom. But he's using the word, which tells you what the polls show. People do not really want collectivism. They don't want everything belongs to everybody and the government decides how it's going to be distributed. They don't really want that. And if the Democrats were to actually put that forward instead of just talking about it at their convention, they would lose elections in a lot of places.
0: I mean, it's interesting, and actually you you bring up a great point there when you, when you you know, reference Gavin's activity, which is, you know, like these days, you know, the, most people would see him in the way he, he's constantly out there tweeting and so on about red states and going on about freedom and how this is real freedom here and you don't have it there. But what's interesting is actually it's a bit like with the Trump thing at the convention. It's And, and you say, well, what are you doing? Like, you've got a state to run. Why aren't you doing that? Why are you constantly you know, picking fights with people in red states and going on about how terrible they are and so on. Um, why aren't you f- doing your job here? Same with the Democrat convention. Why are they talking about Trump rather than actually figuring out how to solve California's problems? It is because they are just, they're the same point, which is that they know that there's nowhere else to look to, mm-hmm. to, when, when you ask the question, well, who's responsible for all these problems that we have in California? There's there's only one answer, the Democratic Party. The
1: Democratic um, Party owns all the problems. These are, these are the yes. results of their policies.
0: And so I suppose that's right. What else do you do other than, you know, pick a fight with the other side?
1: Well, they can lie to people, and that's obviously <laughs> what they're doing. They can lie to people all day long, twice on Sunday. If Nancy Pelosi is giving a speech to donors and the press is not allowed in there to hear it, then she's lying to the public. She's telling the truth to the donors because you're not going to be able to fool them. They're writing checks. But she's lying to the public. And she's telling the truth to the people who write the checks. And the truth will not fly if she tells it and if it gets out. So that's why the press is not allowed in. That's a very bad sign for the way the Democratic Party is running, nationally and in California.
0: The other thing that kind of strikes me from looking at all this is is the level of the rhetoric. It's so dumb and stupidly partisan. Uh, We've talked about Gavin and his tweets. And if you read them, it's just sort of, you can't believe this is a serious person. Um, And I saw it again this week from the convention, Adam Schiff, obviously all the candidates for the Senate, were there the Democratic candidates, so Adam Schiff, uh, Katie Porter, and Barbara Lee? I think they also I don't know. Did they all speak? I certainly saw that they were kind of present and, and part of the story. I saw they all portraits.
1: were speaking in the various caucuses. I don't. I don't know if they spoke to the whole convention, but they all spoke at various meetings of various groups, so they could tell individual stories right. to each group of people they are pandering to.
0: <laughs> pandering being the operative word. And then, and then the thing that I saw from Schiff. That the quote that was the main thing to emerge from his remarks was all about Trump, mm-hmm. all about Trump, and I and I noticed he said, "2024 is a crucial election. He said, Our democracy will literally be on the line." First of all, you know when anyone says the word "literally," you, you know it's ridic- you know it's dumb because it's not literally. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I've been guilty. I try and avoid it, but like it's not literally on the line. It's just so stupid. My favorite example, by the way. Of, of of misuse of liter- literally was a former colleague and one of the ministers in the UK government <laughs> in a media interview, um, and he was talking about some some that uh, Anyone who thinks that is literally on another planet. <laughs> uh, no, literally, you not, not literally on another planet. So, uh, literally, just as a sort of word of warning, just uh, you know, let's not use the word literally. Anyway, literally, our democracy is on the line," said Adam Schiff. Like, what what are they talking about?
1: Adam Schiff is a documented liar, and he has put the country through years, years of vicious, corrosive division because he lied to the country as the chair of the Intelligence Committee in the House of Representatives of the United States. He lied to the country saying, I've seen evidence that Trump colluded with Russia. And it will come out. And he did this for years. And it was never true. And he allowed election after election to happen with people thinking that the sitting president of the United States had committed treason by colluding with a foreign nation, an adversarial foreign nation. He allowed those elections to go forward, giving these interviews day and night. The most dangerous place to be in Washington is between Adam Schiff and a camera. You could get killed in the stampede as he gets there to tell these lies. And he has the audacity to complain that Trump is a threat to democracy. What do you call election interference? Election after election with lies from someone who is saying, I'm the intel chairman. So, you know, I know that's the implication. He's seen something we haven't seen. Openly lying. He should resign.
0: Uh I have to say, uh, Susan, that is literally true. <laughs> what you said <laughs> there is It's literally true. Yes, it is. He no lied iteration. and lied and lied again. I mean, he's a pathological liar. I mean, he absolutely is. Um, I mean, yes, if he had any shame, you know, because because now we've seen the evidence that that it's all that, that he's been lying for so long, through through these various reports. Um, you know, m- most recently Durham, of course. Um but the, but you know, he's not going to do that, the elections next year. I just thought it was funny that like the, the, this, it's amazing that they can get away with it in a way that they have their convention and they spend the entire time talking about Trump and MAGA and no no one sort of, you know, I mean, I haven't, haven't maybe someone has, but I haven't seen anything in the media about, wait a second, <laughs> these people are supposed to be in charge of California. Why aren't they trying to do something about all our problems?
1: Well, there have been more reporters in the Sacramento political community who've been a little more skeptical and Mm -hmm. reporting that this is going on and that he's not running the state and and even editorializing in San Francisco. Why isn't he here running the state? So I think there is some unrest about it. Um, Will he pay a political price? It's hard to say, but you are seeing uh, that there's some pushback here and there in the legislature against things that he wants to push through. So so we'll see.
0: Well, let's talk it, about that because out. I noticed this thing as well, which was a big, well, I don't know, but I'm sure there's a lot more to it and, and you're the perfect person to explain it. I'd love to get into the anatomy of this because it's a really interesting example of, of, you know, how, how things work or don't work. So a big element, I think you you could say the centerpiece of, of his, of Gavin Newsom's budget proposal, which he unveiled, what is it 10 days ago, something like that. Um, with a massive, you know, like uh, an emphasis on building things, right? Infrastructure, going to build things. It's really, and he, you know, you, you always tell when he thinks he needs to show that he's serious by sort of doing mild cursing, you know, like damn well it's be this or whatever. There's a bit of that thrown <laughs> in the mix. I noticed yes. when he made this announcement about how he was going to reform CEQA for those who haven't um, followed along with us, as we discussed this, the California Environmental Quality. Act is it? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. Yes. CEQA, uh which CEQA. which is a disaster and very bureaucratic and holds things up and so on in terms of building everything from houses to infrastructure. So he was saying we're going to we're going to reform and this has been on the table for years. You know, everyone talks about it, um, rightly. Uh, and and so he had a big proposal to speed up the construction of the new infrastructure that we need. Um, both to sort of keep up with our current economic needs, but also to move to the green energy economy that they want to see. Um, And so big, big, dramatic, you know, we're gonna get things done finally, you know, it shouldn't take this long, we're gonna build things quickly in California. I mean, within days, it, and, and by the way, the, the form this took is bill a uh, sort of draft bills. What are they called? Trailer bills, I think. Is that right?
1: Trailer bills. And that's okay. that's the giveaway that this is. Well, at.
0: let's come to that in a second. But just to sort of get. To, so so anyway, he p- publishes these things and sends it to the legislature, as it were. And then days later, literally a couple of days later, the leg- the Democrats in the legislature say, sorry, not happening. This is too late. There's too much detail in here. There's no way we can have hearings on it and, and take it through the process. So this is all just going to have to wait, which on its face, to me, seemed a complete humiliation for for him well, and also an yeah, example so it... of incompetence in the sense of, wait, wait a minute, you're all on the same party. You're all there in Sacramento together. or I guess Gavin's on his tour of red states yelling at people like Ron DeSantis, but surely you, you can all kind of get together and figure this out so that it's not this embarrassing thing of you know you announce something and then days later your colleagues say sorry it's not going to happen
1: well it is perhaps the first sign that he's a lame duck because they were not afraid to do that publicly they could have mm-hmm. done it privately but they did it publicly and that's that's interesting politically in itself but what this what this is is uh, it's an abuse of the budget process. These are mm-hmm. called trailer bills because they follow the passing of the budget. They're called budget trailer bills. And here's the mm-hmm. process, which doesn't happen anywhere oh, else. Oh, is this the blank bills thing, yet. Susan? This is the blank bill Oh, thing. this is so brilliant. You're,
0: all you're completing the circle because okay. you talked about this before. Exactly.
1: Right. The, the normal way to propose any kind of bill is to do it at the beginning of the session. And then there's mm-hmm. 30 days before it can be considered by a committee. And then the committee can hear it and act on it. And it can go to another committee and it can go to the floor and there's a whole calendar of Mm -hmm. when it has to pass the house of origin and go to the other house. It's Mm -hmm. all very detailed and thoughtful and, and carefully planned out to allow people to understand what the law is going to be and to weigh in on it and public transparency. Forget that. They pass blank bills during the year which we have a bill number on it and it says a bill related to the budget and the rest of it is blank literally blank literally blank and (laughs) then at the end of the budget process the whole budget is negotiated in back rooms between the governor the legislative leaders and the so-called stakeholders and they reach agreement on an immensely complex legislation and implementation of legislation. Immensely complex. And then it comes to the floor as an amendment to the blank bill. And it goes for an up or down vote with no policy committee hearings at all. What Gavin Newsom proposed with his infrastructure package is to use this process to pass 10 or 11 bills, immensely complicated, to, quote, streamline infrastructure projects, which means that selected projects, Mm -hmm. not all of them, and not for everybody, but just the ones he picks out, would be eligible for eliminating all this so-called red tape, which is also, in some cases, the public weighing in and saying, well, we don't think it should be this, we think it should be that, and asking questions and testifying with expert testimony on bills, all that is gone It's going through the so-called trailer bill process, an up or down vote at the end. And what happened here is some of the Democrats, I think in the state Senate, said, no, we're not doing it with the 11. I mean, it's just, it's so abusive to take this enormous thing. One, just as an example, had to do with the Delta Tunnel Project, which Mm -hmm. is something that has been contentious for decades. And it involves water use coming from Northern California to Southern California. It's a huge wildly expensive plan it may not even work it's been downsized from two tunnels to one some people who work in water issues say well if you're going to do one it's not going to work as intended so it may just be another bullet train boondoggle and one of these trailer bills would completely streamline that and put people on the hook for paying for it with with bonds and debt for 30 years or 40 years and and they want to rush that through in a trailer bill with an up or down vote and no hearings this is just not a good idea
0: so he was te- that's really interesting so he was taking a, as it were a, bl- a blank bill off the shelf and filling it in
1: that's what he wanted them to do yes
0: he wanted them to do okay, okay so he was right. saying he, he published text of a bill and said guys can you stick this in one of your available blank bills
1: Right. He pub- see it's his budget. So he yeah. puts forward language. It's in the it's on the Department of Finance website. You can Google mm-hmm. it and look up trailer bill language, Department of Finance, California. And you will find this page. In fact, I have it pinned to the top of my Twitter feed at Susan underscore Shelley. S-H-E-L-L-E-Y. At Susan underscore Shelley. You can find the link to the trailer bills and there's like seven categories and in each category there are dozens of bills and you can see all the things that they're planning to do as an amendment to a blank bill in a matter of days i mean these things they they fly through the legislature they land on the governor's desk mm-hmm. he signs them and they take effect immediately as a bill related to the budget and they are not subject to referendum because it's the budget so that's oh, why he So could they can't be overturned the by the voters that's correct.
0: That's very interesting. I hadn't realized that part of it.
1: It's quite the work around of democracy from the people who are such fans of democracy.
0: You can say I mean, yeah. So, how does the process work? So they are the trailer bills only available after the governor's published the budget or how, is that right or
1: well, here's the so-called budget process in California as it has come to evolve. The governor announces in January the budget, which mm-hmm. is just a proposal. And then in May, they announce the May revise, revise. of the budget, yep. which is when they've when they've got a better idea of how much money is actually coming in and what they really have to spend, they revise everything. And then that's not really the budget either. And then on June 15th, the legislature has to pass a budget in order to get paid. If they don't pass a budget, by June 15th, their paychecks are cut off. That was something that was passed, I think, in 2010 as a budget reform package because they used to go late all the yeah. time and people wouldn't get their checks. People who worked for the state would get an IOU instead of a paycheck. People were upset about that. So this was a budget reform. They must pass a budget by June 15th. However, it doesn't have to be the budget. So it's only <laughs> a placeholder budget. They, they literally literally call it the placeholder budget. <laughs> that's what they call it it's not the real budget so where's the real budget well the governor and the assembly speaker and the senate pro tem and the budget chairs in each house five people and they're all democrats go into a back room and they negotiate privately with the lobbyists for the different industries you know the and en- the energy industry and the-, the whichever industry is involved in all of these. They negotiate with the stakeholders or they ignore the stakeholders and just negotiate amongst themselves. And then they come out with their backroom deals and that's the real budget. Then they take all the backroom deals and they amend them onto these trailer bills, these blank pieces of legislation, which don't have to go through any policy committee hearings because they already went through a budget committee hearing when they were blank. They were heard but there was not much to hear because they were blank. But it went through all those things on the calendar that bills have to go through. When you're in civics class in school and you learn how a bill becomes law, you learn all these steps. It went through all these steps, but it was blank. And then they amend it with this 65 pages of single space text. And it passes with an up or down vote. And it always passes because it's already a deal. And then it's signed by the governor and it's law.
0: So when does that normally this is, happen? This is how
1: we, it happened after 2010. They just started to abuse the process. But what time of year, so, so you've
0: got the, they do the, 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 I love the way you put it. They pass, they don't have to pass the budget, just a budget. So by June the 15th. Right. Um, and so the trailer bill, pro, so the backroom negotiations that end up with the trailer bill happens after June the 15th, usually.
1: Yes. And it so can happen actually there's no end to when they can do these. They can just keep doing budget trailer bills for previous budgets uh, indefinitely.
0: So oh my we don't gosh. And have remind us what was the thing that all. came up recently when we first talked about this? What was the what was the I policy I think it they was they the through?
1: energy it was last year's Oh yes, exactly. Bill. That's
0: right. That that I mean and one part of it was the charging people the in- by income by for their energy.
1: Yes. And that okay. was that was hidden in 65 pages of text as a trailer bill.
0: So is this and unusual is, then? That Sorry to cut you off. Keep going, Susan. It, it, was,
1: it, it required the utility companies to impose income-based electricity charges. It took the cap off the fixed charge, and it said, now you're going to charge a fixed charge that's based on people's income. So people with solar panels or who had gone to a community choice aggregator to buy electricity because they thought it was more green, mm-hmm. uh, they are going to see huge fixed charges in addition to what they're paying for their solar panels. Or their CCA electricity, so it's, it's so, quite.
0: Oh, it's, it's unbelievable! Quite, you know, I mean,
1: quite the cost increase.
0: But what about this? This so is it? Would it be correct to say that what Gavin's tried to do here with his this infrastructure thing um, was somewhat preempting the normal backroom process? In that, instead of waiting to sit down and have a meeting with them and everything, he he just announced that he wants this in the trailer bill.
1: Yes and and he did a press conference and and he announced it I think it's best understood as a fundraising technique to be honest I think if you're going to do selective what he announced is that we're going to do selective streamlining so if mm-hmm. you want to be one of the projects that's going to be selectively streamlined you better write your check payable to whatever he's raising money for this week Uh, and be ready to write many more checks to keep that process going because he's about to go into the back room and negotiate these things and that's i think the purpose of the press conference is to let people know that he's going to be negotiating this and if you want a piece of it show up at the french laundry and make your check payable to him that that's honestly this is legalized corruption that's how i don't see how it could be understood as anything else it's not the normal, transparent, public process that we are entitled to Absolutely have amazing. in government.
0: What a brilliant analysis there! And then, and then, and, and presumably that, that he can do a few behested payments, which was the very first conversation you and I ever had. for, yes, for, the, for you know, we, we, you were explaining about this mad notion of behested payments.
1: Yes, that's when an elected official picks up the phone and asks somebody to make a donation for governmental or charitable or legislative purposes. And that can be almost anything. And it's, uh, it's a request. It's, it's not an order. It's a request. But it's unlimited. Unlike a campaign contribution, it's unlimited. And that money can even go to a nonprofit that's run by someone that you're married to, which is the case <laughs> with Gavin Newsom and also with our Attorney General, Rob Bonta, that they've both done behested payments, asking for donations to organizations that employed their spouses.
0: We've talked about the Newsom one. What was the Rob Bonta one?
1: When he was in the legislature, before he was attorney general, he raised money for a foundation that he created, and then his foundation donated to a nonprofit, I think it was called Literacy Lab, that his wife, who was also in the legislature, an elected official, Mm -hmm. uh, Mia Bonta, she was running a nonprofit and drawing a six-figure salary. And so in his position as a member of the assembly, Rob Bonta raised money from people with business before the assembly into his own foundation and then his foundation donated money to his wife's nonprofit which paid her. Now how is that not
0: corrupt? Absolutely outrageous corruption. It's legal. But it's, it's legal and just the normal process.
1: It's legal in California and it's the way things are done and he's the attorney general in charge of enforcing laws in California. <laughs>
0: Okay that, so that just gives you
1: a picture of what this is. I know it's a, really it's like. a
0: total joke isn't it? I mean what a you know they they brag about how we're the fourth biggest economy in the world and of course that's great we love for California to be successful we want to be the third biggest that's great Well, I'd like to, you know fantastic but but at the same time it's so parochial it's like a kind of I mean you don't want to say banana republic because it's it's in a way it's it's more it's I don't know it's almost more embarrassing it's 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 just so kind of pathetically corrupt and 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 sleazy sleazy yeah it's all sleazy Mm -hmm.
1: and small time and on average it may be that we have this this high GDP that gives us the right to say we have the third or fourth or fifth largest economy but it's not working for everybody and there are many many people who are struggling to find jobs that pay enough to pay the cost of living and guess what they're leaving in large numbers. No,
0: exactly. No, by the way, you're right to bring that up. I do want to get back to, quickly to the process in a minute of, about the, these bills, because there's a, there's a, there's a wrinkle in it that I'd love to um, hear your take on. But just exactly to your point just now, I'd underline it by saying not only is it the case that this, you know, it's, it's very skewed and disproportionately and, and work, you know, regular working people are not seeing the benefits of this and they're really struggling with the cost of living and so on. As well as uh, in California, due to these Democrat policies on housing and and, the, and all the rest of it, but also I think that there's a real trend that's been going on for a while now, and and we could be about to have a real crisis as a result of it, where they comp- they're completely complacent that the legacy industries that 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 cont- that continue to generate this wealth. Particularly tech, but also the other, you know, agriculture. The big industries we have in California: tech, agriculture, entertainment, um, aerospace. Still, although it used to be much bigger, it's just going to keep on. The money machine is just going to keep on churning it out, and they can take the money and ever higher taxes, and, and 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 impose ever more onerous regulations um, to to push their political agendas. And the money's just going to keep on rolling in. To fund it all, and I just think that is totally wrong and complacent. We've seen that businesses can be far more mobile now. That's the big kind of insight from the pandemic, and they don't need to be here. And why should they put That's up true. with it? And I think that calculus of yeah, you know, the taxes are too high, and the regulations are really annoying, and the you know etc. The cost of living is very high in California, but you know it's wonderful to be here. The weather, the this, the that. I think that calculation is really changing. Um And so, we could absolutely. see a absolute collapse in revenues and wealth, but if we 're not careful
1: yes, and something that i don't think gets enough attention is that the threat of raising corporate taxes, the threat of raising property taxes on corporations, I think that plays into the planning of companies that are thinking yes. about coming to California and they don't or that are thinking about expanding in California. And they don't, or are thinking about leaving and they do. Because it's not just what we already have on the books, but some of these proposals. These proposals are just frightening. And you talk about the single payer health. If you were a business and you were in California and you saw you saw the legislature caving in to demands for single payer health care, or even looking like they might cave into it, Mm. you would have to think, where's my suitcase? How fast can I get out of here to a state that understands that you can't raise my taxes 30% to pay for health care for the whole world and cancel everybody's private health care?
0: Yes, exactly. It
1: it has an effect on the economy long term when you just have these crazy proposals with no limit on them. Rent control is another one. There is a law on the books in California that limits what cities can do with rent control there's a there's a cap essentially on how crazy they can get in cities with rent control and now there's going to be something on the November ballot in 2024 that would repeal that law it's called Costa Hawkins that law
0: mm-hmm. and
1: the AIDS healthcare foundation is going to try for the third time to repeal that which would allow cities to do radical rent control well are you going to invest no, exactly. Who's gonna, of
0: course who's not. Who's going to do that? Exactly. Which would just make right. it. It's totally incoherent. It'll just do the exact opposite of what they claim. Um, can we go back to the Gavin Newsom thing? Because I'm, I was interested in the uh, with the legislature, you know, the trailer bills, the thing we were just talking about. One thing I noticed was that. So he he makes these big announcements. You know, this is going to we're going to shake everything up, build, build, build. Um, and then days later, the legislature, the Senate, they said, no, we're not doing it. Too big to go. So, what's that about? Is that part of a negotiating? Is that a negotiating ploy, or does it reveal a kind of incompetence and lack of collaborative working? I mean, what's really behind that?
1: Well, I'm just cynical enough to think that the politicians who said, "No, we're not going to do that," we're making. (laughs) <laughs> we're making a fundraising pitch in the oh newspaper. Oh, really? You think you're going to get it by donating to him? Well, we're the ones running this. You're going to donate to us. I'm cynical enough to think wow. that that's what that was about.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: I don't think you can be too cynical.
0: Well, you know, I mean, you've been following it, and you know what's going on, and you you, you observe it very closely, which is why we love uh, talking to you about it. So, <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean, look at that. Yeah. One thing I just wanted to go back to, if, if we may, and, and probably end with this because I think it's interesting and I'd love to know what you think, where we started, which was the, the convention and single-payer healthcare, which they're now mad, the activists who control everything, they're mad that Gavin Newsom hasn't delivered on. He was for it. He did say he was for it, right? Didn't he? I mean, he's put himself on the record saying he was for it. I
1: I think he probably did say he was for it, but I mean, I do remember also when they actually had legislation. I don't think he did much to push it.
0: That's right, but I think he did, and I think that he. uh, And actually, it's very interesting. You say that the nurses are the one. The nurses' union is the one pushing because I remember him, you know, bragging about how he got the endorsement of the nurses' union, and so this was probably part of that transaction. But why is he? Because in another area of policy with reparations, where you see this astronomical price tag coming down the line and the complete impossibility of delivering that, um, he was quite quick to say, actually, we're not... I mean, we've discussed it as well. You know, so, well, actually, we're not really... You know, we're not going to do this, and the financial payments are just a part of it. And, we're, you know, basically throwing cold water over it quite quickly after the final report. Whereas on mm-hmm. uh, single-payer health care, he hasn't done that. He hasn't said, "Sorry, this is just a non-starter. We're not we're not going to be able to do this." Actually, um, and so that's why the re- the the anger with him st- sort of trundles on.
1: Well, with reparations, that was a task force. He uh, that was after the George Floyd summer. He said, "We're going to have a task force for reparations, and the purpose, as always with a task force, is to get a politician past the next election without doing anything, <laughs> and then once they get." I'm sure you've seen the show Yes Minister, that great BBC oh, yes. comedy, A Commission of Inquiry. And yes. that's exactly what it was. It was a commission of inquiry, a brilliant idea to get past the next election. And once they came in with their with their numbers, <laughs> he had to put a stop to it because he's on the trail running for president and he can't be playing footsie with ridiculous ideas like $800 billion paid to people for things that happened before they were born. So it it's just not. It's just not workable. So he, he had to get out from under that, and he did unceremoniously, and it's probably just more evidence that he doesn't need the votes in California anymore, and mm. he doesn't have to uh, worry about it. He's he's run his last race in California.
0: But they're still saying on single payer, they're, they're, they're just not doing it, but they haven't said this is not happening. They haven't categorically said this is not happening.
1: That's true. They, they Well, I think they – Want to continue to get the political support by right as as long as they can, uh, without admitting that they can't do it and it'll never happen.
0: Yeah, and um, actually, you, you've said it right there—the political support, which is that the un, you know the the nurses' union and the public the government unions um, are just a um, um, you know they have more money and and more clout in terms of their organizing ability and so on probably than the than the group that uh, that is you behind the push for reparations
1: probably and and they there also could be many other things that they're negotiating for that we're not seeing publicly yet mm-hmm. things that would make it easier to unionize different types of uh, healthcare organizations that are not currently unionized and perhaps they're negotiating that in the background right and it's it could be we'll let you live on this but you give us that who knows what they're doing but it's it's not really a transparent process yeah. That's the bottom line on all of this is that it's not yes. transparent and we need to have a two-party state so that you have some that's checks totally and balances right.
0: well that's the that that's the underlying thing the underlying dynamic, the underlying you know, pathology here, which is that because there isn't a real political challenge that they take seriously, it all drifts to the left. All the pressure on them is from the left, from directly from the activists, and then through the government unions who themselves are controlled by the activists. So that's why it goes that direction, because there's, there's no real like political accountability. They, they actually don't think they're going to lose.
1: That's true. And the only political accountability really comes from our direct democracy powers the referendum, which they're trying to undercut, the recall, which they don't care for either, and the initiative process, which is a tremendously powerful tool for organizations like the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association, of which I'm a part. It's a very powerful tool. Well, you've got your brilliant um, tax one
0: coming up next time. Um, Yes, we
1: do. We're going to do repeal the death tax and also the Taxpayer Protection Act.
0: Exactly. The Taxpayer Protection Act. Wasn't it something with government accountability in it as well, the title?
1: Yes, Taxpayer Protection and Government Accountability Act. Very good. And that will end a lot of these tricks that local governments have been using to fool voters into raising taxes. There have been a number of things that have done that sort of get around the Constitution and trick voters into raising taxes. And we're going to put a stop to that.
0: Very good. And it was very interesting, just a little fact that I I hadn't realized, which is that these trailer bills are not subject to referendum. So it's even more outrageous that they're trying yes, to slip things in through that mechanism, because actually that is one you, you, they, they can't. Be, I didn't know that, that they can't be overturned by the voters. There it's you go. It's part of
1: the budget. It's considered part of the budget.
0: Yeah. So interesting. Thank you, Susan, for that deep dive on the sort of total... Um, corruption and chaos and lack of transparency and accountability in California's way of making laws. Uh, But, you know, we need to know we're bringing the transparency, I guess. So thank you for that.
1: It can all be fixed. Thank you, Steve.
0: Thank you, everyone, for being with us today. Uh, We'll see you back here soon for the next episode of The Steve Hilton Show. Make sure you follow us, of course, on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, uh, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you soon.